0: Welcome to the Sober Community Channel, where our goal is to open minds and soften hearts concerning one of the greatest healthcare crises facing our country, which is addiction to drugs and alcohol. Hey everybody, it's Rocky. Welcome back to Bigger Than Me. I am here again with Chris and Bree. How are you guys
1: doing? Doing well. Yeah, doing great. well.
0: So let's just get right to it. Let's do it. John Oliver.
1: Mm. May twentieth.
0: We'll post it with this whole thing. But he kind of went off. He did. He did. You see it, Bree? Yeah. Well, biting owls. We probably shouldn't start there. We'll come back to that. But he kind of not a good starting point. No, no, no. He kind of well. There was a lot of things he did thought about: brokering bullshit treatment centers in Florida. Florida, Florida, Florida. What was you guys take on that? A little right. bit
1: of California. A little bit. A little bit of the cure. Yeah,
0: a yeah. little bit of the cure. Uh, so, so, Chris, what would you take on that shot?
1: I was mildly disgusted. I was mildly disgusted. Although I'm not going to defend a lot of that, but I do want to take more of a positive stance. And... Him having 4.3 million viewers watch that video kind of gives the audience and our nation a, a different perspective on actually what, what really happens in ethical treatment centers and leaders in this industry.
0: Well, it's not really what gets highlighted, is it? At all. Right? So, I mean, we watch the news. I've never seen a news story on a successful landing of a plane. Never but it happens thousands of times every single day. All we see are the crashes. But but let's not denounce the crashes. Let's actually have a little talk about them. In Florida, I mean, he talked about so many things. He pretty much said O.J. Simpson could get a license here. Yeah. Right? Was that? I don't know if that, isn't O.J. Simpson in jail? Yeah. So I guess his wife could get a license. He can come to the office if he got visits. That's how Florida works. Is that off? Because there's a lot of people with licenses here that should not have licenses. Well, what
1: he, what he basically said is he said that Florida has no regulations or no standards that need to be followed in order to obtain a license in the state of Florida, which is, which is false. There are regulatory boards, DCF being one of those that license the providers within the state, detox, residential, PHP, IOP, PHP and IOP with with community housing. So there are regulations. And then for sober homes that may or may not be, I guess you can say for lack of a better term, attached to a program that you have FAR, who also has standards that providers need to need to be in compliance with. So I you know, that's one part one little part of his of his segment that is wrong. That was wrong.
0: Here's the other side of that coin, right? So they're Plenty of people who, let's talk about brokers for a second, stood outside of Starbucks with their whole cool hats, face hats, white sneakers, right? Took a bunch of people to treatment, got them high, bought them drugs, sent them to their own IOPs, you know, all of these different golden urine things, right? And who then pocketed enough dirty money to then go, because they have no record that at least excludes them from having a license. Correct. And now we have in South Florida influx of IOP, intensive operating phonies. I mean, IOP owners, if you want to call them that, who have no personal experience in recovery, who go to meetings as a kind of a lipstick on a pig concept mm-hmm. to pretend like they're in recovery, have not heard of this or trash, to be honest with you. Correct. Trash. But they're, they're running recovery companies. Right? It
1: becomes their recovery. The company becomes their recovery. Which is an oxymoron and not real. But Correct. I mean,
0: in theory, it becomes the jacket that they wear out in the community and they have no spiritual tools, no spiritual growth. They're using it as a cash cow. Correct. They don't really help people, they actually make it worse. So I think on the other side of John Oliver's argument, that's a real hard thing to work against.
1: I'm not gonna discredit everything that he said. Let
0: me talk about you for a second. Can I do that? You
1: can. Because I
0: literally watched you come up. I, I remember, I don't, I think it was 2011, Eleven. Eleven? Yep. you were in Barber Academy. I was. I never got a haircut. <laughs>
1: Glad. He never wanted a haircut. No, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> right? Didn't get that paid.
0: But um and then but at the same time you I think it was that you were a tech in a detox. Is that I right? I was
1: I was a tech, yes.
0: And now you're a part owner of a treatment center. I am. I literally watched you and I also had some companies I, I had an IOP prior to that that I sold and left. I had uh, a treatment center, I had a transitional living home and, and all of that great stuff. You've seen my journey and I've seen yours. Mm-hmm. But you're unique to me in the fact that I watched you, you were a marketer. And, and I grew up with a lot of people who, I mean, you could say the people who had kind of indirectly invented brokering, I watched that happen. Yeah. I, I literally remember competing, arrogantly so, with who knows the Big Book better, and who's helping more people in the community in Del Rey back in 2006 and six and seven, with a couple people. And one guy was taking people, and with a great heart, love that person, was, was helping people and, and, and getting them into the book and then also getting them in places. I didn't do any of that. I met them at park benches outside of the clubhouses and we read the book and did all this.
1: We've done it together. Right,
0: exactly. And then I watched that same person who I love and adore, then eventually at some point, somebody was like, hey, you put so many people in my place, here's, here's something for you, mm-hmm. right? And I watched an industry, I'm not gonna say that, but no one person's responsible, but I know that was a pattern that just rippled through the community. And then I watched several other people even that I love and adore, that, that kind of jumped right into that whole entire thing. And so there's, let's just make a distinction, because I I have, you talked about mildly disgusted. Mildly disgusted is not mild, right? If you make money off of addicts, you're predatory. There is no difference between a shitty IOP owner and a drug dealer. They have the same exact thing to me, right? So they just take up traffic and oxygen, right? But that being said, there's a difference. When we talk about marketing between what I would consider brokers and jokers. So I don't even think that brokers need to be a part of the conversation. They're just criminals who haven't got caught yet. Let's move on from them. But then there's what I will call jokers, which are people who were in the marketing field that I watched you kind of run a bunch of circles. Again, people I've liked personally have nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But as I went to these conferences over and over again, I saw the same patterns. And these are people who weren't on corners just trying to get PPOs and buying people, none of that stuff. They were working for, I'm using air quotes here, you can't see, reputable companies, some of which really were. They were. right. And, and, and that really do help people. But as far as the conferences, what I saw, there was a lot of people buying $50 lunches for each other back and forth mm-hmm. and ping-ponging stories and gossip. And then when I took their personal inventory, which I'm great at inventory, I rarely take mine. But when I took their inventory, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know what you do in the community. It's nothing. Like you're really not out there killing it in 12-step world and all that stuff. But you, you have this veneer of I, I'm in the community making all this difference because I work in treatment yep. and I get people placed. Like, are they placed in a relationship with a higher power with a fellowship of people that can help them grow spiritually? Because if that's missing, I think we've missed the bigger boat. Right. Yeah. So you um, literally, I mean, you placed 20-plus people a month, some months, into yeah. treatment. What was the difference between your journey and some of theirs?
1: The difference between my journey and the way that <laughs> I worked my way up in this industry, for one, I, I owe it to the leaders in this industry. I owe it to those individuals who guided me to make the right decisions. What always stuck with me is the the owner of the first treatment center that I worked for that I actually got sober in integrity. Um, He would make sure that all of his employees had integrity and that they were practicing ethically and it really really stuck with me and I had a choice And, and we talk about you know morals versus ethics which is a completely different topic which we could talk about which we will actually talk about down the line. And it was the difference between right and wrong, knowing right and wrong, and then ethics, laws. So I make my bed at night that I sleep in, and my bed has to be comfortable if, you, if, 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 if I may. And I had a choice. I had a choice that I could be that guy sitting at Starbucks waiting to see a suitcase and hollering out my friend's You know, Mercedes-Benz S-Class as I'm driving down Atlantic Ave. That wasn't appealing to me. That wasn't appealing to me. I know that I needed to find something that I really loved, and and as we talked about in one of our previous a previous podcasts, I come from the hospitality industry, so I always loved helping people. I always loved this service aspect of of this industry, and I wanted to just I just wanted to do more and through the guidance and direction that I had and the people that I surrounded myself with I was able to make a conscious decision and grow so when I was at those conferences that you just discussed I wasn't just outside smoking cigarettes and smoking cigars and eating $50 lunches I was within the the seminars learning about ethics and learning about professionalism learning about modalities used in in this industry and learning about the different laws and and, going to seminars with, with attorneys that are, that are respected in this industry, talking about acquisitions, and anything that I could learn, I wanted to learn. And I think that's really what sets me apart. And, and you can ask all of my, my friends that are still in this industry, in the capacity of working as a, either a marketer or a client coordinator or a clinical outreach, that was the difference. I wanted to learn everything about this industry. The marketing and the outreach, that's not really appealing to me. I like the back-end compliance procedures, protocol, uh, making sure that employees and clients are safe. That's what I really liked. It's just I needed to go get my education. I needed to learn more, and I needed to surround myself with people who worked in that capacity. So I think that's really what what sets me apart.
0: I think in the industry that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: You want my other
0: perspective on that?
1: As far as recovery goes? Oh, yeah. Imagine that. What a concept. (laughs) Right. What I did was I I always I always surrounded myself with the people in recovery, uh, my fellowship, no matter where I was, whether if I was in Colorado, if I was back home in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, in Florida, I was always surrounded by by those in recovery and those who understood my situation. There was one thing that I've always I've always noticed with you and I've noticed with a lot of people, no matter what happens, there's always a big book in between us. Um, I'm always walking guys through the book. And and, and if if I'm going to be more of a disservice to a sponsor, somebody who's going to sponsor me, somebody who asks me to sponsor them, I let them know that I'm unavailable right now to be a sponsor, but my phone is always on. So my phone always remains on. I always stay connected. I always have this conscious contact with, with what I call my God. I'm just, I'm out there. So if my phone rang in the middle of the night, and you didn't have a PPO premier insurance and you were at a hotel, I'm gonna be at that hotel. I can't tell you how many times I've had to pay hotels back for the amount of doors that I've kicked in. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, that's the second part and I, and I think my clients now notice that stuff and it was uh, it was always important to me. Plus I like that, I'm more of a, an adrenaline junkie as well. But if my phone rings and somebody's somebody needs a 12 step call, I'm there. Um, so
0: while you were climbing up in the marketing field, you were, I mean, I was there too. You were literally doing 12 step calls that had nothing to do with work.
1: Yeah, because I always dropped them off to your facility. Right, you were, you were sitting and reading <laughs> with
0: the guys. I would see you come back and sit and read with the guy and do step work.
1: For instance, you know what, there, there's, a good, there's a good example. And um, we just lost one last week. He was a very important person to me. He was my first sponsee that I ever had. And on my year anniversary, I got a call That this gentleman needed to be picked up from from a hotel in Boca Raton and it happens to be on my year anniversary when I'm sitting there with my family that that hotel was the same hotel that a year ago to that day he was in he was in the same hotel in the same room one year from that date I went and picked him up and and for the past seven years I've been working with with him and his family and I've taken him through the the book Numerous times keep coming back and back and back, and uh, we just lost him last week. And you know, it's it's those things that I never give up. And he didn't have the PPO insurance, but he was me. He was me. He was lost, and uh, I had to I had to to help him. It was that was my calling. It was my journey. It's what it's what I told my mother and my family that I would always do um, when I when I went and made amends to my family that's what they asked me to do they didn't want the money that i stole from them they didn't want the jewelry back the computers my brother's xboxes they just wanted me to help those people and uh that's what i do
0: well you did it yesterday i mean we have a guy that i sponsored for years who needs help and you said you'd send him to new hampshire doesn't matter if he has insurance or not that's all up in here but it really didn't make a difference i don't think that we see that enough i think a lot of people talk about helping others but and, and i'll even go i'm just be honest, a lot of these corporations, I mean, they run these policies, they make tons of money, but do you actually scholarship people? Mm-hmm. Do you actually take anybody back? I know that I built into the model, um, literally, I'm not a Christian per se, but a uh, 10% tithing model, we were closer to 20 to 25% of times of taking people that were indigenous on the Now, normally, if you run a treatment center like that, you probably go out of business. But the idea there is do we have some space for those cases? And then I watch marketers who literally, I mean, I'm not even talking about the, the these broker or joker. Night brokers are crap, right? But the marketers who, the moment they found out you don't have a PPL, they're off the call. Of course. Then there's other people I watched you, even when you were at work, because of the recovery life you had, when that person had Medicaid or was an indigent, you still did everything you possibly could to put them in front of the resources, get them help, and then you could also go meet them in meetings. We don't really have a lot of that in this industry. I mean, but here, let me say to, to jump to the positive side, I know that we do have it. And I know another person right now who's opening AOP, who I worked with in the past, who does that stuff all day diligently. And he's mm-hmm. been doing that for years. So it does exist. I want to kind of put this out there. I, I was asked, you know, you guys are my employers, I was asked to write an article on, what was the article, Bree? How to...
1: How to choose an ethical treatment center.
0: How to choose an ethical treatment center. I found myself completely stumped. And I'm a great bullshitter. I didn't, I mean, I wanted to write an authentic article. Yeah. Because here's the problem I see: you take one of these crappy IOPs, and then you take a real company or treatment to treatment, whatever the case may be. On paper, let's talk about: it. I'm a parent, and I and I literally am looking for a place for my kid. You can't tell the difference. It's not even possible. They both say this. They both twelve step. We do that. Whatever it is, We have CBT. We have master's levels conditions. Great. Some kid from Jersey gets an IOP license because he has a rich parents or stole a bunch of money while brokering, and then and then some therapist who's kind of struggling in their life per se, or this and that, and gets placed out of a, a, a company now wants to make $45,000 a year, so they sign up and put their license in attached to that, they may or may not be in recovery, right? And that being said, and all of a sudden, you put it together and you put the right website on it, how do you possibly distinguish between those two? Yeah. And I felt like I couldn't even write the article because there, it seemed like the only real way is to really dig through and find out the actual stories of the people who have gone through. And sometimes
1: there's not enough time.
0: John Oliver talks about this too, right? John, nine these are not out of time. That's a great point that I even missed. But John Oliver talked about like the 140% success ratios, right, that, that all these people say that. And that's not a demographic that, that can be actually traced. And then the other thing is when you call somebody say, how are you doing? If they relapsed, they're embarrassed, they feel guilty. They're not even, gonna t- they're gonna say, I'm doing fine. It's a phone call. They talk about, he talks about that treacherous eight minute phone call. It's worse than anything else in the yeah. world. And so of course they're gonna tell you, well, so now I'm a parent. As i looked at this how do i honestly answer this question what would i do if i really wanted to know thank god i know people that's the real answer for me but the reality is i would have to like go through their facebook alumni page find those people say what was your experience then i would actually have to know what real recovery sounds like to see if they have any mm-hmm. and other than that it's almost it felt like an impossible question to answer i felt bad for those people who are looking for treatment who can't tell the difference and, and and i want to make the distinction here of this whole you know, I just recently wrote a blog for you guys: therapy versus recovery.
1: Yeah,
0: right. And 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 the reality is, I, I I find so much value in therapy. The last year of recovery that I've had, I never would have had the spiritual growth that I've had, or learned the lessons, or been humble to the point I have. I mean, my therapist is spiritual in nature. She does and shadow work. It's a very different kind of a concept. But the reality is I never would have learned what i currently learning or have the experiences I'm having without that. And for the 10-year plus run that I had in recovery, I didn't learn as much as I did in a year without this particular therapist who's the perfect person for me. However, at the same time, I think if a, if a company, and I'm just going to kind of put it out there, like both are needed. That's kind of what we talked about in that book. Both are needed. There are people who have sexual issues and guilt and, and, and all of these dysfunctional behaviors. Shame. That Shame that if they don't know how to cope with that, they can't get to the point of finding a sponsor, walking through the uncomfortability of talking to strangers, making those appointments, sitting down and doing the writing for a four step and a fifth step, if they don't address some major things first. Which, I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy is a great example of how to disrupt those disruptive patterns and, and make better choices, Correct. right? At the same time, you know, I look at, you know, one of my favorites would be Carl Jung, who's probably one of the greatest therapists there ever was, We meet with a guy like Roland Hazard, who's basically Bill Wilson's grand sponsor, Mm -hmm. and as humble as he is, thank God for him, he says after working with him for a year, the guy leaves, drinks, comes back, and goes, how did this happen? And Carl Jung himself says, I I, I misdiagnosed you. You're an alcoholic of a hopeless variety. I don't know of an answer for somebody like you. You might need to go find some kind of religious or conversion experience, Mm -hmm. right? And he was a humble doctor enough to be able to say, I don't, you know, therapy, like therapy and psychology may not have the answer for alcoholism. It doesn't mean that they're not very, very incredibly valuable, right? And I, and I think one of the things that's very hard is, and a lot of these fake companies that I would call them, are people who, just because you go to meetings, don't mean you're in recovery, right? Correct. If you're not out doing some form of 10, 11, and 12, and I'm not going to go big book Nazi here, where is your spiritual growth? Like, it's, it's consistency with the pages because we have a proven path. Right, like I can say here, and I, I, I literally said, I'm never working in the treatment industry again. And here I am, although I, I, I write for you guys, I'm now like on the front lines of the clients. But I, I, we, I, it was you that was the reason why I actually came back in part, that I was okay with it. Because I know your personal life, I know your recovery. And I then I found out the other people who were working here when I came and take a look, they're all, in the ones that are in recovery,
1: are in recovery. Are in recovery. Right, as
0: opposed to a lot of these other companies that they're, they're people who are around recovery. Just because you get a crossroads del Rey, don't mean you're in recovery. Correct. Right. So I mean, you want to talk a little bit about the differences in the value of therapy and, and recovery and well
1: I wanna that- I wanna touch on one of the things that you just mentioned. When we talk about recovery, we talk about what you know, what is the framework, what does the foundation look like? And I think there is a common misconception about uh, about a few things. One, it's it's not so much about the drugs and the alcohol how much we did when we did it how we did it what was the route of it what was the frequency the duration i think that's that i mean again this is a whole different topic but it's about our behaviors it's about the things that we do to those that we that we hurt Um, it's about the the real core issues that that we're up against so when john oliver is talking to this this gentleman who owns that treatment center we all can put two and two together there's a therapeutic approach for everything. Of, of course there is. Of course there is. But really, what's the true value behind it? I know with the guys that we're working with, we understand that as the longer you stay in treatment, the better your success is. I have six months of treatment at Gatehouse. Do you think insurance companies are paying for six months worth of someone's treatment? Absolutely not. So everything that we're doing, our job is to really dig down deep and get to those real core issues that they're facing. That shame work that you just talked about, and then even going further than that, once once we're starting to work on the, the relationships, the impulse control, teaching someone how to be assertive, which coincidentally are all three things that equine therapy teaches you. So what is there a value behind petting a horse? There's a lot. And I thought the same thing and, and the best part about living in where I live in New Hampshire is that my family has horses and it really does teach you how to have a relationship with somebody, it teach you how to be assertive, it teach you how to be, have that, have a little bit more power. Um, horses are not easy to work with, they're big. I don't know if you stood next to a horse but they're big animals
0: Actually went to an camp for four years and they came in.
1: So you know yeah. so there is true value behind these clinical approaches or techniques or modalities that are being used. but it's about the behaviors like I said and behavior modification and what's right and what's wrong. It's not all about I'm gonna give you the cure in 30 days after you pay $73,000 cure to what? the cure to my mental health issues, my underlying core issues, what is the cure to? And it's not again, it's not all about drinking or using drugs, which goes back to what you say a lot is if you stop, can you stay stopped? We can get anybody to stop using drugs for $73,000 for 30 days. So yeah, they're cured in that time being, but what is it going to take to keep you to stay stopped? Right. Um, there's 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 so much to the difference between you know therapy and recovery, but it is different, one hundred percent. And and I know at, at Gatehouse, our clinical approach, we touch on twelve step, but it's it's actual clinical work. Our programs outside of the clinical is set up to be more of a twelve step immersion program. So at our housing, outside of clinical hours. So when you're in when you're in clinical groups for six hours a day, we're not talking about steps one through 12. We may, some, we, we may merge it in and there might be some collaborative efforts between clinical and 12 step, but that's what happens at the housing. Um, we make sure guys are working steps and finding service positions and working with their sponsor and finding commitments in the area, plus they're going to volunteer. Again, there's clinical and then there's how can we get you integrated into the community? And we have six months to do that.
0: Six months is a big time frame. So yeah. I remember when I, when I asked you, God, well, you personally asked a lot of questions, like, what's the difference? What does the treatment sharing do? Like, I knew I trust in you. That doesn't mean, you know, that the whole everything would have worked for me. And, uh, and I already know that. I mean, let's go a couple of different things that you said. Intense, right? If the people who are in recovery are actually in recovery, like the reason why I opened up a halfway house a, it was the least lucrative. That wasn't my goal, mm-hmm. but it was where the most help I thought could be done in the community. Because everything you just learned for thirty days, either you came out with you know a relationship that you got in the med line. Good luck with that, right? Played that game before, right? Or or, or all that stuff, or you came out with some skills because that really has to do with the receiver. And then now we're into the real world. Now we're into a- applying that stuff, right? So let's assume a client goes through, is serious about it, learns a lot about themselves, takes a bunch of these skills. Well now I have to live life, right? So and in in the in the halfway house aspect of it, that's where that stuff all either gets put together or falls apart. And so when you give them six months, it's not like they're in inpatient for six months here. Mm -mm. It's stepping down. It's tier systems. Right. So it's stepping And
1: you know what it's tier systems in order to see these guys recover. Um, so give them all the tools needed in order to recover. And, you know, the relapse rate in the Florida shuffle and, and how that whole patient brokering thing, which there, there definitely is correlation between it. But we want to step these guys down slowly in increments and when it's appropriate, not just, OK, your insurance cut. Now I have to either kick you out, step you down like it's not clinically appropriate. So when we talk about, you know, the, the, the Florida shuffle and, and, and doing all that, I mean, yes, it it happens. But the reason we're set up the way we are is because. We see success, and I'm not going to change something that's not broken. In any of the treatment centers that we open up, we're not going to model our business out on relapses. There are facilities out in South Florida, in California, in Texas, and in the Northeast that model out their business based on bringing X amount of clients back into treatment who relapsed and making sure they capture them. That doesn't happen here. I model out a business based off of success and i don't know how much more we can put that in words it's it's more on the on the on the back end of things but our alumni department is is set up to to watch you succeed right. um, i don't want you back i want to see you grow um, our beds are going to stay full because of the services that we offer in in the quality of care that you receive here and no i'm not charging seventy three thousand dollars a month um but you're receiving the best care, best in class, everything that we do, all of our staff care, like I said. And, and I want to avoid the shuffle. I want to take these guys out uh, out of Florida and, and bring them up to New Hampshire or keep them in our Florida facility so they can see it and have a different experience. As the city commissioner said uh, on this John Oliver podcast or our segment, don't send your loved one down to Florida because we'll send them back in a body bag. I was sent down to Florida in 2010. It's 2018. I'm not in a body bag. My brother was sent down in 2014. He's not in a body bag. Unfortunately, this stuff happens everywhere, and people do die.
0: Yeah, that's not a Florida thing. That's national.
1: It's national. It's the nature. Of the disease. But I don't. It's not. It's nothing to. It's nothing to discuss. When you when you talk about sending somebody back in a body bag. It's just that that's why I was really mildly disgusted because that's that's not at all true.
0: Yeah, and it's easy to see. I mean, when when all they do is read it from the news, they don't have an internal perspective. I mean, obviously addiction is definitely correlated to death, right? So mm-hmm. true or false statement, ethical discharge begins at intake.
1: Ethical discharge, elaborate on that.
0: So the idea is you come into a treatment center, you mentioned it, right? I'm just wording it differently. So, and, and other treatment centers take a person and then they go, all right, well, how long are they gonna be here? Till their policy runs out. Mm-hmm. That's discharge, right? That's yeah, what happens, that's discharge. Right? Correct. Ethical discharge is we already know we wanna get you here. Like I'm just gonna kind of put you on the spot and say it. Yeah. The therapeutic process is not the same without the 12 steps be immersion into the 12 steps, true? Correct. Right. I, I, I would challenge any therapist. And I know a lot of great ones. I have one myself. I don't think I've met one better than Carl Jung. I don't know if one exists. Maybe they do. My
1: therapist is on the is, is has the same perspective. Yeah. Right.
0: So and, and he was like, can't help you need some kind of spiritual angle. They work together in unison. Correct. That's where immersion comes into play. So what I mean by ethical discharge begins at intake. Is as you come through the door, we already know where you want we want you to be. Mm-hmm. It's in the twelve step world. If that's because we are a twelve step immersion program, doing your whole thing, having a spiritual experience, light bows, rainbows, unicorn, all that stuff right? And, and this will prepare you to get out there as you go from whether, whether it's detox to inpatient to PHP to IOP and halfway. But in halfway, is you should be halfway back to living a life. You're going to have to learn how to go to a job, how to have a relationship. I'm assuming you're going to screw up a bunch of fucking relationships yeah. with yourself and a bunch of members of the community. Like you talked about setting people up for success. I want to see you fail. When I came to the halfway house and I, as an owner, I want to see where you're going to fail because that's probably where you've been failing indefinitely till you got here. Right. So if we can, if somebody's willing and surrendered, you fail in front of me with this. We can now take a look at the pattern and we can make an adjustment.
1: Failure at a level that it can be controlled. How many Correct. times does it Correct. take failure in order to succeed? Every entrepreneur, every buddy that, that that suffers with a substance misuse disorder. Uh, I mean, teacher, they all fail. Well, there's two types. How do of failing, you overcome?
0: Right? Yeah, there's two types of failing. There's failing forward. And failing backwards. Mm-hmm. Right? If it's a progressive disease, backwards is backwards. So failing forward means that the guy now learned how to not use drugs a little bit. He he's He's ambulatory, he can walk, he's not on drugs, right? Now he's got to learn the skill set of going to meetings, doing the harder stuff. He, he can ask a 60 year old person at Seven Eleven at 2 a.m., can you get any crack for me? That clearly doesn't smoke crack, but ask him to ask a member of the same sex to get a phone number to call and say, this is what's going on in my day life. He's got to walk through that whole business. Mm-hmm. right? And as they do that, those are all different things. And then of course, he's gonna fall in love in his home group a couple of times, if he even has one, <laughs> right? That's gonna hurt like shit, right? So he's gonna fail through that. Can you get through the resentment of, oh my god, I can't believe that you know she was whatever dating my sponsor for six months, you know whatever the case may be. That's failure if you want to call it fail forward, right? Where, what's wrong with my picker, so to speak? How do I make money ethically, failing forward, right? A lot of people are not used to that stuff. Six months gives a really good amount of time in a tier system for a person to walk through that. Thirty days is like, hey, I learned a couple of new terms,
1: Metagirl, met a girl, met a girl,
0: and I'll be back in a month or dead, right? So that there are very different approaches. That's when I, when I agreed to come aboard here, that's one of the,
1: that was a big, big difference for me.
0: I, I, somebody can, something real can be done in six months.
1: Your difference of, of finding those things of what made you decide to work here is the same thing that we challenge our clients' families to do of choosing this facility for their loved one to come to. So it's the same things that we're discussing. How long is the program? Is it, is it gender specific? How big are the groups? Where are you located? What activities do you do? What modalities are you using? What approach do you take? Are your therapists certified, board certified with master's degrees? Uh, there's there's, there's a, a range of things that you can ask, which go back to how do you find an effective treatment center? Right. So which, we can, we, which we could touch on. We could, we could have a whole segment on, on just how to, how to find a, a qualified provider and, and I'm sure we're, we're gonna do that. But as you, were, as you were touching on that, I feel like there was some correlation. So I wanted to let them know, because if there are families that are watching this, there, there are ways to find an effective provider right. that are gonna work. And it, and it is those questions, you know, how long are they in clinical? What are they doing? What does the supervision look like? Um, what does the immersion process look like? Medications, medications are big. Right. I'm not a doctor, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that you don't need medications
0: it takes a place that has all of that lined up and i think what i find to be in because i'm a 12 stepper am using air quotes here um, i'm a fan of that philosophy but i find that that seems to be one of the biggest components doctors can do what doctors can do let's assume you're not in this you can't serve two masters right any doctor can go okay get a on did this all that stuff and do that let's just take those people out of the equation even the ones that are attempting to be ethical and attempting to go by the guidelines if your people are not pointing them towards us to say the, God does not talk about Christ, Jesus, mm-hmm. Allah, something that's going to get them a higher power that's going to remove that obsession, right, then they're really going in the wrong direction, period. It doesn't, I mean, the wrong map never led anybody to the right direction and I know here that you have people that are really in recovery that's not the same as me. It's, can't even emphasize that enough, right? You that's could correct. have all of the other stuff set up together but for me personally, if you don't have the light to drive them towards, what are we really doing? That's
1: correct. Yeah. So to bring it back and kind of wrap it up that's why i was mildly disgusted and uh... this is an industry that i love i could do multiple other things with an education that i have in the background that i have I choose to work in this industry uh... these are my brothers and sisters and uh... it's kind of disgraceful that that this is what is going on and in, in our world and and nobody Nobody sees the, the, the good news, the good media, those that are successful and now own businesses or have families or getting married or have their families back in their lives Fox News and, and WBC, they're not gonna they're not gonna play that stuff.
0: Yeah, they're never gonna play the successes. I, I just wanna thank you again for being a part of and help build a company that I, I could come back to and sleep very well at night. And um and I just I, I really really enjoyed being here. I thank you for the opportunity.
1: And I thank you both for for having me on the show. No problem. Thanks.